Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. As promised from before, I do have a little bit of a Brenton Doyle conversation that I like to have because there's a lot of interesting things going on inside of his numbers. But before I get to that, I did want to add an addendum to the ongoing Chris Bryant conversation. I I just did a a whole podcast uh, about him, and you would have think I I would have covered everything there was to cover. But he has since been injured again, very unfortunately. And I've come to realize that there's an element of this conversation that I quite frankly didn't realize was as prevalent as it is. And so I, I wanted to discuss it. Uh, so for, for anyone, who, there's no one listening to this that doesn't have the full context, but just to make 100% sure, we're all on the same page, right? It's announced recently that, again, uh, Chris Bryant is injured. This time he's hit on the finger by a pitch, fracture, not entirely sure how long he's going to be out. Those kinds of things can be a little bit in between. You never know exactly how fast somebody's finger bone is going to heal, uh, but he's going to be out for a little while again. And... I saw when this news came out a a sort of avalanche of anger and frustration at Bryant, at the Rockies, and certainly at the situation in general. And now, I 100% of course understand being upset at the situation in general. It's rough, right? Uh, It was a questionable contract when the Rockies signed it. A lot of people hated it from the get-go. And it, it, certainly nothing about what has happened either from his performance on the field or now all this, all of these injuries starting to pile up, right? And what I've seen suggested, and, and I guess I, I'd seen this once or twice, but I didn't think it was really out there. And then someone linked me to an article and it's not uh, my intention to drum up, you know, intermedia battles or anything like that. Quite frankly, I try not to do that anymore. I One of the reasons why I didn't even know that it was a talking point that Chris Bryant has come to Colorado and apparently is mailing it in is because I try not to engage with takes that I think are purposefully meant to rile people up. But when I saw this coming from some earnest, good-faith Rockies fans worried that Bryant is coming in here and taking advantage of this situation, that he's skating by. And I've just got to say a couple of things about that. First of all, the guy isn't deciding to get hurt. I know when these things happen, we all search for somebody to blame, right? That's It's just human nature. Bad thing happened. It must be somebody's fault. In, in a more logical way, but still something that I disagree with, I, I do see a lot of people saying, hey, we got to look into the Colorado Rockies uh, strength and conditioning and, and training staff. Right? All the injuries this year, all the Tommy John surgeries, not just their major league pitchers, but now like three of their top four or five pitching prospects, all with long-term injury things that are going on right now. Zach Veen, all of it, right? So I understand the logical part of the brain that says this has got to be somebody's fault. Surely it can't just be a terrible, horrible coincidence, bad luck that all these things are happening right now. It must be somebody's fault. 
And then they point the finger at a training staff that has largely been considered among the very best in baseball for a very long time. And uh, a training staff that's largely unchanged from three or four or five years ago where they went through a stretch being one of the healthiest teams in all of baseball, right? So without really any tangible thing that people can sink their teeth into, without any evidence that says, well, here's where the training staff has fallen down on the job. It's just a logical fallacy of seeing two things that may or may not be related and assigning one responsibility for the other. And so, especially because people don't know, and I, and I get the frustration, right? You want something to be done about it. It feels bad to just say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. But quite frankly, there's nothing you can do about the fact that Chris Bryant got hit on the finger and he fractured his finger. There's nothing you can do about the plantar fasciitis. He's not doing it on purpose and he's not sitting on the bench longer. So here's the reason why I decided I wanted to talk about this rather than just fire off a couple of tweets, right? There's two things happening here that really frustrate me both personally and professionally one of them is injuries are the bane of professional athletes existence all right i saw a lot of people using the phrase chris bryant's inability to say stay healthy i've seen people use that phrase about troy tulowitzki he had an inability to stay healthy carlos gonzalez this is not a lack of ability this is not a lack of effort it's not a lack of wanting or trying. When I look into the eyes of these guys when they're hurt, it's some of the most human interactions we ever have. Because when they're hurt, a lot of these guys, quite frankly, feel useless. And that's, a, that's real pain. That's real frustration because this is what they do. This is how they enter the world is to use their body as a tool to be a professional athlete. And you don't get to that level without an extraordinary amount of passion and dedication and drive that a lot of people, quite frankly, sitting at home firing off tweets about how some guy is taking advantage of the situation, is mailing it in, is being lazy, this, that, or the other, after he just got hit in the finger, after the guy worked his ass off to get back on the field from another injury and I saw the passion and the drive that Chris Bryant put into getting back there on the field but the second thing about that that I think and again and getting linked to other information and seeing where some of this is coming from that I find quite frankly troubling baffling problematic to put another way the reason why I do my business the way that I do and, and differently than arguably a lot of other people do it is because of stuff like this. The speculation that a reporter can stand in front of a guy and have a conversation or two or three or five. I've had, since he's been around, I don't know, 10 to 12 one-on-one -on -one conversations with Chris Bryant, plenty more in scrums and all of that. The idea that you can stand there and because he's a more relaxed guy, because he's a quieter guy, because he's not going to yell and rah-rah, because that because his personality isn't one that shows you, quote, fire on the outside, that you're going to write in the paper, this guy doesn't show me passion. I, you're going to read his 
eyes and then put it into people's minds that this dude doesn't care, that he's just cashing a paycheck and laughing his way to the bank. When this guy is in the training room every day busting his ass to get back there on the field for, quite frankly, fans and media who at this point don't treat him very well. Now, he doesn't care. He's making a lot of money. He's got his MVP. He's got his World Series. People could say, yeah, he does. But he does care. And this idea that he's got to prove it by showing some sort of fire in his eyes and passion to every reporter that he talks to is ridiculous. It'd be great if he could stay healthy and hit more home runs. But this idea that Bryant is doing something untoward, that Chris Bryant is just taking advantage of the situation, that Rockies fans should be frustrated at him rather than at the organization who gave him the money or the situation or the fact that injuries just suck, right? I've only known one player in the history of this franchise since I've been covering the team, and some of you might be able to guess which player because he was always hurt, who had any kind of reputation in legitimacy for being, quote, soft or made of glass or whatever you want to call it, right? A guy who maybe could have gotten back from injury faster, but he was the one who said, no, I think I need to take it easy. With guys like C.J. Crone, Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, it's the other way. It's they're trying to get back so fast, sometimes you've got to pull the reins back on them and make sure they don't re-injure themselves. Right? But I think a lot of this goes back to when he first signed the contract. And a lot of people assumed that because he was coming to the Rockies, he didn't care about winning. Right? Again, all of it is built into these preconceived notions that people have. Including, quite frankly... And, and I didn't see the name. Somebody sent me the screenshot, so it's not even about that reporter. But the, the reporter who stands in front of a guy like that and, and takes a personal read on their personality and says, well, I'm not sensing fire from him, so I'm going to write that he doesn't have the drive or the passion for the game of baseball. And then when, he, and when the guy gets hurt, then fans will start to speculate, oh, he probably doesn't even care about coming back. And he's probably, he's probably happy he got hit, hit in the finger. Got a fractured finger. He's probably happy about it. Like, think about where that's taking some folks, right? Guy had just hit, like, several home runs. He was getting it back. Not only was did Bryant work his ass off to get back on the field, he was playing well. He was hitting home runs. He was finally starting to get back into the rhythm of the kind of play. He's not done at 31, 32 years old. That is not how these guys are wired. Just because he's a calmer personality, we're going to take it out on... Again, that's the kind of thing I really, really don't like. That feels like the classic sports guy, you know, beating his chest mumbo-jumbo of... Chris Bryant is a rookie of the year, an MVP, a several-time All-Star, and a world champion. And you're going to question his drive for the game of baseball... Because you didn't see it in his eyes. I hope he gets better. I hope in the meantime, Alaris Montero can take advantage of the playing time. I 100% understand and again will continue to talk about the difficulties and frustrations with that contract. 
It is limiting, but it isn't prohibitive. But the guy himself, until I see or hear a single shred of evidence that he's mailing it in beyond reading his eyes or his personality, you know, that just weird speculative stuff that people love to do. Because again, they're searching for a reason. They're searching for something to blame when there's really, this is just brutal. It's just terrible luck. It's been terrible luck for Bryant since he got here. And all we can do is hope that that turns around a little bit. All right, let me talk very quickly here about Brenton Doyle, uh, who is having just an absolutely phenomenally, fantastically, amazingly weird season. Uh, He has been, according to most of the statistics, among the worst qualified hitters in baseball this season. He's got a 49 WRC+. He's striking out 35.5% of the time. So, yeah, he's giving them seven home runs. Seven home runs is nice. That, I mean, you, you've got to kind of have that a little bit. If you're going to be hitting 204 on basing 264. It seems like every time he's about to fall under 100, though, he gets a big hit or he has a, a couple hit day, right? But the bottom line is that outside of the pop, And the fact that once he does get on base, he's stealing bases at a remarkable clip. He's got 14 of them. He leads the team comfortably in stolen bases, right? So he's just having this very strange year. This is almost aggressively playing to his profile, which was he's a a tremendous defender, a remarkable athlete, great speed. We're worried about the bat, right? Well, here it is. But what's interesting about this is that According to both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, Brenton Doyle has uh, a plus wins above replacement. Got a half a win on Fangraphs and a third of one on Baseball Reference, which is interesting because Baseball Reference tends to value defense a bit more. So I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. But uh, Doyle is now the leader in UZR, zone rating, one of the zones. There's a lot of different... <laughs> statistics for this uh, he's at seven defensive runs saved which for a Colorado Rockies outfielder is a massive number for some context and the the DRS doesn't go back super far but cargo maxed out at like 10 in a season so seven for Doyle already with limited time and only 69 games played as I'm recording this is a remarkable number. Doyle is also in the tops in terms of throwing arm. Uh, StatCast has him rated, actually had him rated as the strongest arm in baseball until uh, Nolan Jones unleashed a couple of throws recently. And now he's got, I don't know if he has the highest average. I know he has the highest uh, total exit velocity out of the arm uh, from a a throw recently does Jones but both Doyle and Jones are up there in the tops of strongest arms right so Brenton Doyle has very quickly become not just a very good defender an elite gold glove caliber center fielder in the most difficult center field to play Uh, some of these statistics are really really good some of them 
they don't take into account how big the course field outfield is. Sometimes they don't take into account like pre-play positioning. There's a lot of different stuff and they, they can be very harsh on Rockies outfielders. So the fact that he is excelling in these statistics, that he is at the tops of the league in this. And like I said, the fact that he's been among the worst qualified hitters in baseball and still has a positive wins above replacement just shows you how epically good he has been on defense. And and I know we're getting a, a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but quite frankly, maybe the best defensive center fielder the Rockies have, I'll say it this way, have had since I've been, he is the best defensive center fielder the Rockies have had since I've been covering them. And... So do we care if he hits at all? Sure, you want you want him to hit some. It would be great, and he could absolutely emerge as a even more of a fan favorite or one of those real glue guys that brings the team together in the next couple of years if he can make some more contact, get that strikeout rate below thirty percent. You know, get that batting average, and it doesn't look. I don't think Doyle's ever going to be uh, 270, 280 hitter with. You know, a guy who makes enough contact to hit 30 home runs a season, anything like that. You know, but I do think he can be a guy who hits 220, 220 to 240, but with pop, the slugging that comes. And then again, you're going to get the most out of that because when he gets on base, he's going to be just a nightmare, especially with the new rules, stealing bases for you. But he's almost always going to be probably a bottom of the lineup type of hitter, but one that can play up because of the speed and and power combination, right? But if he's going to play defense like this, this is a massive get for the Rockies because that is a spot, as I've said over and over and over again, run prevention has to be the number one priority for this team. And that starts on the mound and it starts with starting pitching, but the next element of that is that you have to have plus defenders at as many positions as possible, most especially in the outfield, because it's the toughest outfield to cover. There's the most amount of ground out there, and the balls that get down tend to go for extra bases. So you've got Doyle out there running. Now, obviously, this year it's only going to make so much of a difference and an impact because the Rockies pitching is giving up so many hard-hit balls into the outfield. (laughs) He's not going to run them all down. Right, but he is making such a difference on those potential extra base hits that get turned into outs in the gap that he's running down, especially the gappers. He is so incredible at those. But generally speaking, I've seen a lot of people make the comparison to Kevin Kiermeyer. I tend to agree. Uh, a guy whose bat never fully came around but had his moments. Uh, on offense, and and I think that's the kind of player you could be looking at here with Brenton Doyle. But even if his bat never comes around, I, I don't know. There's there's an extent here. So so is yeah, forty nine WRC plus. If he can get that up to even seventy five, if it's with some pop, you know that's still a well below league average bat, but one you, that is more than acceptable and could be your number eight, number nine hitter on a really good Rockies team two or three years from now. If the center field defense plays like this, man, is that extremely valuable to this team. More valuable than it is to any other team. 
I, I've said this for a long time. I wanted them to go get Kevin Kiermeyer. I've wanted them to go get guys like Billy Hamilton, D. Strange Gordon, uh, all guys who I know can't hit or, you know, have had hitting. It's very rare that you're going to find yourself a superstar elite level defensive center fielder who's also an above average hitter. Those guys tend to be, you know, all stars that are signed to max level contests. Ronald Acuna is what I just described, right? You know, there aren't a lot of them. And for the Rockies, who are going to get offense from places, longer conversation for another time, but you're going to get offense. You know, you need that guy in center field who can just go get the baseball. And they haven't had it. They've, they've even in 17 and 18, right? And maybe part of it is, for me, is just, <laughs> you know, war memories from that time because they didn't have great center field defense. In fact, they had pretty bad center field defense during those years when it was Charlie, when his legs were starting to go. And he was an all right center. At his peak, he was a pretty good center fielder, but never a great, great one. You know, like I meant, Cargo played center field for a very brief period of time and was decent at it, but it was hell on his legs and they needed his bat. That's why it's almost a blessing in disguise that Doyle didn't hit much because you don't have to worry about destroying your offensive <laughs> firepower by putting him in center field and just letting him run his legs off to go catch the baseball. Again, you, you don't want to, I mean, a 50 WRC plus will need to come up that 50 OPS plus at 57. Yeah. That get that up into the seventies though, so that he's still well below league average hitter, but one that is giving you something here and there. Yeah. You can live with that and make Brenton Doyle your center fielder for a long time to come. So I can understand the temptation to say, ah, let's get somebody in there who can hit better. This guy's awful in the box. But what he's bringing right now is not just, oh, hey, a positive wins above replacement. So he's he's been decent. Leave him there. It's the specific thing. Elite defense in center field is something this team has needed, in my view, for a long time and maybe never had. But they've got it now. So that's pretty fun and cool and interesting. And let's start kicking up some dust around gold glove time because he's played enough now. Frankly... Brenton Doyle deserves to be in the conversation for Gold Glove nominations this year. So does Ezekiel Tovar, and so does Ryan McMahon. So, they haven't done a lot well this year, but they did that. <laughs> Good on them. All right, thank you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Let me know what you think out there on Twitter. You can always slide into my DMs and ask me about the Discord channel. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.